Hey guys, it's Vance here. I thank you all so much for listening. I know that our first one ended pretty abruptly, and as such, the second one begins pretty abruptly. So I just wanted to record this quick message. Um, just once again, thank you all for listening. Um, and uh, yeah, hope you guys are enjoying some video games, particularly in this case, some Resident Evil. And just so you know, we will still be talking about Resident Evil 8 in this, uh, or Resident Evil Village, depending on what you, what title you prefer. In this podcast, we will be talking, uh, giving you all a little heads up of a spoiler warning before that happens, though. So you can still listen to this up to, I'm not sure exactly what minute it is, but we'll let you all know when, when it's that time. All right. Thank you all so much again. You guys enjoy the rest of the podcast. Moving on to Resident Evil 5. Um, so Resident Evil 5 has a lot of interesting a lot of interesting history, at least for me as as a as a player. Um, Resident Evil Five, uh, for one, was one of the last two games that I bought at our GameStop in the mall because um, I remember, which is actually kind of sad um, if you've been to the mall in my hometown. Um, but um, the game going to GameStop there used to be a treasure. Um, I mean, you and, can just you can just remove the context for that statement and just say if you've ever been to the mall and. And Owensboro is just kind of sad. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I remember the, getting Resident Evil. We we wanted we were so excited that there was a sequel to Four coming out that we went ahead and bought the the big special edition that had you know like the the BSAA patch. Um, it had the little Chris Redfield figurine that broke like almost immediately. Um, and I think you also got like an extra gun or something like that because that's that's how they do things, you know, in video games. You have to pay a little extra money to get something better because that's just how things just, work. Just how it <laughs> rolls, baby. Uh, especially especially then because back then it was it was all about pre-order bonuses. Now it's just wait till the DLC comes out and we're going to charge you twenty bucks for it. Um, uh, that's a that's a generous estimate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, once again, a whole other podcast on that one. Um, but uh, but five was really interesting because it because first and foremost it was the first it was the first and currently possibly uh, only co op one or is Revelations co op? Uh, Revelations is not co op as far as I know. No, is Revelations two co op then because I, I thought one of those was. Um, I would say it's Rev. Revelations two, the Revelations one, I would say. Okay, I'll check that. Okay, thank you, thank you, Patekin boy. <clears throat> um, Orig- original fandom correspondence jingle. <laughs> um, Resident Evil Five, it definitely goes heavier into the action set pieces. Um, <clears throat> and although I, I will, I will. I will agree with most people when it comes to does it feel as much like a Resident Evil game? Not as much, not traditionally. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make it a bad game. It's definitely not a bad game. And I'm and I'm not one of those that's like, but it's still not a Resident Evil game. No, it is. It's just it's a very different version of a Resident Evil game, and that's okay. Um because you because you still you still get Chris Redfield, and Chris is just I mean, chef's kiss. the 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 man The man is perfect in this game. That's true. Um, and 
and you get Wesker as the this ultimate villain, you know, like and because if you if you played the first game and then Co Veronica and then this one, it is almost a perfect trilogy of Chris versus Wesker. Um, and it's just and it and it fits just so well because everything everything about it works really well in that aspect. Um, I will say that the and whenever whenever they do if they if they keep going through and doing the remakes the same way that like the like Game Freak is doing the the Pokemon remakes basically, um, if we can expect a Resident Evil Five remake in the future, I am praying that they do an entire team just on Sheva's uh, AI controls because I have maybe. It was interesting because between Gears of War 2 that year and and Shava, those are two of the worst AI-controlled companions I've ever had in any video games. Um, with with both of them, it was it was it was a better co-op experience. I will I will tell you that immediately. Um, look, look, I'm just <laughs> I'm just imagining um, you locked in a room and you're in the center of the room and on one side. You have Cole from Gears of War just <laughs> sprinting into a wall saying, Cole trains here. And on the other side, you have Shiva just kind of pointing her pistol into the ceiling without really aiming anything, saying, Chris, I need help. And meanwhile, both zombies and locusts are just coming at you. <laughs> exactly. No, you're you're absolutely correct. Gosh, was that uh, just 2009 for you? That, that is just 2009. Yeah, exactly. Like 2009 was a was a really fun year for video games. But that's that's exactly what it was like when it comes to the AI companions of video games on that year, though. Um, <laughs> um, Everyone is welcome for that visual. What'd you say? So everybody is very welcome for that. Video. Yes. 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 Everyone is welcome. And, th- and thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Resident Evil five does really well with the action set pieces. I, I will readily admit I've only, I played that game. I actually haven't played it since 2009. So I've forgotten a lot of it. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. I, it was, it was actually the, like I, I stopped, I stopped it right when I stopped streaming. So I, so I actually haven't replayed that one yet. I'm actually kind of excited to play through that and then six and seven um, to actually finish out the series the way that I originally planned. Um, but uh, but Resident Evil Five, there there are a couple of set pieces that I that will always stick in my head. And of course, the first one is the first big one where it's you and Shava in that building that's basically in what looks like a crater, pretty much. Um, and then just all of the they're all the Ouroboros. Uh, I can't remember what they're technically called, but the, we'll just say zombies because that's basically what they are. Um, are just pouring in and just you know you 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 gotta take them all out, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere the uh, the butcher comes out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. and you're like oh well who's the butcher? Actually, but not the butcher. The executioner comes out of nowhere, and you're like oh well who's the executioner? Well, he's this giant guy. With a gigantic axe, like a like a comically large axe, as I have referenced before in in mine and Al's messages in Resident Evil lore, um, which apparently that is a thing is just to have a a comically large axe. Just happens. Um, it just happens. Just happens. Um, but yeah, he comes out of nowhere, and he is. You want to talk about a bullet sponge? Like there, there is no, that 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 is that is that's not that it's not an Ouroboros. It's SpongeBob SquarePants with an axe. Is what it is. He he 
takes so many bullets to take him down. Like, it, it's insane. Um, but it's hard to forget that kind of set piece. Um, you know, and then and then of course you know you go through and then and then you find like the like these Aztec ruins and and Af or not Aztec, but I mean these these like old like African ruins and it's 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 weird, but it's also awesome. Um, and there's this guy with like an elephant mask who is like, and I know I'm probably saying this word wrong. He's like ulating at you, and uh, it's you know that that's freaky. Um, you know, but but of course it all leads to the big crescendo, and I'm gonna let Al take it from here because I know Ooh. he wants to talk about it. <laughs> the big, the big crescendo. It's true. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, um, I do have an answer on that. So the following games that feature a co-op mode are Resident Evil Five, um, Resident Evil Six, which I don't know why you would do that to somebody you love. Um, <laughs> so you were right, Resident. Evil Revelations 1 has a co-op mode. Resident Evil Revelations 2 has co-op, but is for an alternate non-canon mode, which is what confused me. Um, also, um, Outbreak, The Dark Side Chronicles, and The Umbrella Chronicles have co-op modes as well, but all those games are bad, so don't worry about it. Um, just, just throwing that out there. Um, I don't know about Outbreak, but, but, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, yeah. Outbreak is fine. That's one of those on the PlayStation 2 that hasn't aged uh, very well. But um, anyway, um, so to so get down to it, and, and I know we haven't talked a super lot about the lore um, in these games, but pretty much since the end of Resident Evil 1, um, it's been revealed that Albert Wesker, once a staunch ally of Chris Redfield um, oh. and Jill Valentine, uh -huh. um, is in a lot of ways um, the primary antagonist of the series up to this point. Um, you know, he wasn't the one who created the virus. He wasn't the one who led all the experiments, but he's the one who's kind of been in the shadows, kind of, uh, of controlling um, the, the strings of the puppet show, if you will, uh, manipulating a lot of characters, things like that. Um, so Albert Wesker is a bad dude. Um, the thing with Wesker is that over time, um, he has complicated relationships with a lot of the antagonists, but he particularly forms a strong rivalry with Chris. Um, because, you know, he, Chris, and Jill, they were the ones there at the start. They, they were the ones in the Spencer Mansion. They were the ones who were going at each other um, as soon as he was revealed to be the bad guy, um, is what he does. Uh, and so there's a real rivalry between him and Chris. Also, it's in Resident Evil 5 that you find out the truth of what happened to Jill um, as well, which that story is hinted at in the first Revelations game and then is followed through completely um, to its end so far on the Resident Evil 5. Um so you have this final confrontation between Chris and Wesker. And I guess Shiva's there too. Yeah, she is. Okay. She is. Um, for a second, I thought Shiva wasn't even in that fight, but she is. Um, which Shiva's a great character. I hope she shows up in more games. I hope she shows up in the future. Uh, there was a piece of me that was kind of hoping she'd show up for some reason um, in the Village because she is a great character. But um, 
for the record, I do apologize. Like Shava, Shava is another one of those where she is a very well thought out, well rounded character from a writing perspective. But for some reason, if you are not doing co op, her AI is terrible as a as a partner. So just just let that stand. <laughs> um, and so it really comes down to this final confrontation between Chris and Wesker. Who's this is where the action side of Resident Evil 5 comes into full play and kind of gets um, flanderized pretty quickly with the end of this game. Because you have someone like Chris, who up to this point has been a pretty competent, pretty, you know, mission-oriented kind of special ops character who becomes this over-the-top action hero, you know, straight out of the Fast and Furious films kind of guy, <laughs> where at one point um, he's trying to get to a place in this active volcano and he doesn't have anywhere to go in the lava. And there's a big boater, so there's a quick time event that goes on for too long. This quick time event goes on for like 83 seconds. And, and it's just you mashing buttons for him to punch a boater into the lava so that he has somewhere to walk to. And on the other side of that, which is great, it's hilarious, right? It's Chris. Uh, that's what he's known for now. Um, and on the other side, you have Wesker, who up to this point has been a hyper-competent, hyper-intelligent, brilliant antagonist for, these, um, for the heroes of the games. And suddenly he breaks down to, oh, Wesker, what's your plan? I'm going to stab myself with this virus and turn into a, a gooey pus monster. And everyone else in the world is going to be gooey pus monsters with me. And you're just like, oh, okay, this is really, this is really what you were building up to. <laughs> Ever since the mansion, this was your end game. It's for the world to be inhabited by weird Tari Puss Monster. <laughs> like, what the hell are you gonna do, man? If you win, like, you can go get ice cream. You're a Puss Monster, and everybody else is. Like, what are you? What are you You're doing? That's very true, actually. You can't. Like, yeah, you can't go catch in like a, a Braves game. Everybody's Puss Monsters now. Like, what are you doing? Um. So Chris wins, thank God. <laughs> Can you imagine that game if Chris if Chris does not win that fight? Um, and you have one of my favorite moments in Resident Evil history, where they're in a helicopter, flying away from the active volcano about to erupt. And Chris is just like, I'm ending this for good. And he takes a rocket launcher, aims it at the weird flagellating pus monster that is that is Wesker now. <laughs> it shoots a rocket at him. And if you pay very close attention to the cutscene as this is happening, you will see that just before the explosion and the end of Resident Evil 5, you see that the rocket Chris shoots at Wesker does not hit Wesker. <laughs> I don't know if that's intentional and they're trying to build up to a big reveal at the end of the series that Wesker is somehow still alive or if that was just they 
ran out of animation money for the cutscene, and they couldn't afford a big explosion on the character model of Wesker now. But that rocket very clearly does not hit Wesker <laughs> at the end of that game. <laughs> and Chris does not worry about it, and he just flies away with three more rockets at his disposal. <laughs> But it's refuses to I've ever seen. <laughs> it's something. But yeah, RE5 is one of the games. It is the point that the series goes full tilt into let's go over the top action mm. Um I still think RE5 is a really fun game. It's one of the first games I've ever co-opted all the way to the end. Um, I co-opted that one with um, a friend of mine from high school. Um it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it has fun with itself. It knows that there was no way to end the the Wesker-Chris conflict without it being some kind of weird over-the-top stuff <laughs> based on what we've seen from the other games, how the plot was kind of starting to build towards that. They knew they couldn't do anything else. Um, so they leaned full into it. And honestly, I respect that. I respect that a lot from Capcom that they knew what they had. So, <laughs> oh goodness, yeah, no, I just I I remember playing like the first half like co-op with Josh, and then unfortunately, like I, th- I think he I can't remember what happened. Like I think I think he went back to school. I think that's what it was. And I was like, well, I don't really want to wait till he comes back, like for Christmas break or whatever, to finish it. So I played through all the way um, single player, but I just. I'll never forget that ending. Just the, 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 the everything, the boulder punch, the lava, the, the missiles, you know, just everything. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a beautiful game. Um, here's the interesting thing. Okay. And you probably already want to do this. <laughs> I've never played resident evil six. I never uh, have. <laughs> so just very quickly. <laughs> God, I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> I, all I have done is look up look up the lore dive to figure out you know why Chris is where he is at the end of at the end of seven and and all throughout eight. Which honestly, it doesn't explain as much as I'd thought I mean, of it. He's, um, ju- he's just as depressed from having and in that game as I was by playing it. That's, that's there, there you go. <laughs> so so tell us a little about Resident Evil Six. Why why does it not work? And uh, then, and just whatever you're done, we will we will move on to better things. <laughs> so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on RE6 because it's not it's not worth the time to be honest. Um, so Resident Evil Six is pretty bad, y'all, um, and it's not necessarily because of one big thing or one big reason or anything like that. It's because of a bunch of reasons. Um, it's it's the, by far, it's the longest of the RE6 games, of the RE6 games, of the RE games. It's already, it's already in my head. It's already begun. <laughs> um, it's by far the longest of the Resident Evil games. Um, average Resident Evil game is about 12 to 15 hours, um, your first playthrough. Um, I think Resident Evil 5 is a little bit longer than that. I think your first playthrough of RE5 usually comes out to out 18 to 20 hours. Um, RE6, if you play through all the campaigns, 
is a good like 28 to 32 hours long um that's too long for what resident evil is um it doesn't help that a lot of the games uh one reason why it's so long the main reason why it's so long is that it features various campaigns that focus on various characters because capcom had the not inherently bad idea of hey we have this cast of characters that everybody loves let's give them all their own campaign in this game so we have you know a good spread of quality time with all the protagonists uh, i don't think that's inherently a bad idea where that starts to fall apart is that one a lot of the campaigns reuse um the gameplay sections from other campaigns so if you play through all i think there's eight playable characters in re6 um you play through all of them there are three sections of the campaign just cut and pasted that you are going to have to play through eight times um um, that's not good (laughs) that's just not a good part of the game um i'm sure their idea was resident evil fans love to replay sections of the game they do it all the time um which sure i get that logic but also the gameplay in other resident evil games are good (laughs) and the gameplay in, in resident evil 6 is not and it's and again it doesn't try to reinvent the wheel of resident evil gameplay but you can tell that the polish from past games um especially the mainline games just wasn't there um which i don't entirely understand because it came out three years after resident evil 5 so it had plenty of development time um but you could just tell that the polish wasn't there it wasn't as high quality of a game i'll never forget this experience is one of the resident evil experiences burned into my mind that i'll never be able to forget long time from now when i'm on my deathbed and i can't remember the names of my grandchildren i'm going to remember this experience with re6 (laughs) and it is that i was doing i was doing Chris's campaign, I think. Um, It was either Chris or Jake's campaign because they introduced a new character who has one of the more important campaigns in that game, which is a terrible decision to do, by the way, when you already have a huge cast of characters who need time. Um, And I was using the sniper rifle and a few zombies were coming at me and I popped one. I popped one in the head. The animation went off. The zombie had no head. It continued to come towards me, and I thought, oh, it's just like an animation lag they programmed in to, like, visualize the idea that, like, its body is going to continue or whatever. No, because it comes at me, it grapples me, the animation plays for having my neck bitten by this zombie with no head, (laughs) and I die. (laughs) And I die. It kills me. This zombie who I, whose head I shot off comes a good like six, seven yard tilt at me, grapples me, and kills me with the hiding animation when it doesn't have a mouth. Um, that's just one of the examples of you can tell, you know, the polish wasn't there. The love 
for the Resident Evil gameplay experience wasn't there with this one. And it's wild. And it's by far the least enjoyed or acclaimed game. It's still a Resident Evil game, so Resident Evil fans, for the most part, do still enjoy it. Um, Looking at aggregate reviews now, it has a lot of 7 out of 10s, has a lot of 6 out of 10s and 3 out of 5s. So, like, as video games go, it's it's not rated badly, but as Resident Evil games go, especially the mainline ones, um, um, it just isn't there. There's a a discrepancy in quality there that um, just really is is just effervescent throughout the game. Um, Good word. <laughs> to the point that I tell people when they ask me, hey, Al, I'm trying to get into the Resident Evil games, that I just play through all of them like in order. And I always tell them, if you have the capability, play through Code Veronica because it has some cool story stuff in it. And just watch a lore video of Resident Evil 6 because it's not worth the time investment and it's just, it doesn't feel like a Resident Evil game mm-hmm. because it's so unpolished. Um, but and yeah. Also, we don't know if anything's going to come from that, from those storylines yet anyways, because having played through 7 and 8, like the, the one thing I was curious about is, okay, how did Chris get, how did Chris lead the BSAA to form whatever unit he currently has? And that is not explained at all. No. Uh, which because that was my because have go going from going from five to seven where he just shows up at the end and he's with and he has the umbrella logo but it's like blue instead of red and they're like we're working uh, to stop what umbrella started and you're like okay that's kind of cool and then uh so he's not with the BSAA anymore and you know that and then in eight you never actually get a clear name of who he's working for who he's working with. And you know that there is a point where he talks about how he is upset with the BSAA. I'm not going to go into spoilers too much just yet because that's for later. But it was really interesting for me to want to know more about that. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to watch this. You know, while I'm waiting on the end credit scene, which there is one at the end of eight, by the way, if you haven't had it, if you didn't know, um, I'm going to go ahead and start pot- and find a good lore video for six, and then I'll watch parts of it, and you know, and hopefully get some more info and nope just the the ending of six is chris is kind of is this he's still working the bsaa and then just kind of walks off you know after one of his like best supposedly best friends like sacrifices himself you know and uh i i guess that's one of his best friends you don't really (laughs) don't really (laughs) really learn anything about that guy supposedly it is (laughs) supposedly sure supposedly Everyone knows the best way to storytell is to tell and not show. Exactly. Um, yeah. Just as an example, this is one of the things that really stuck out to me when I first played this game, is that here are the playable characters for this game. Playable characters are Leon Kennedy, um, Helena Harper, who is a... She isn't a, a new entry as far as the story goes, but it's the first time you can play as her. Um, for Chris's campaign, it's Chris and Pierce and kind of deal. Um, for Jake's campaign, Jake, an entirely new character, and Harry Perkin, 
mm-hmm. um, who you talked about already. And then Ada's campaign is Ada Wong and an agent character who doesn't even have a given name. Their name is literally just Agent. Just Agent. Oh, that's amazing. After after the pretty significant reveal um, about Jill in Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil Revelations, um, not having Jill even as a playable character in this game or even show up in this one, actually. is crazy to me. Yeah. Like, that's a character who, after what we've seen from the past games, she needs to have her own campaign, let alone show up in the game at all. It's crazy to me. I agree. It's yeah. wild. Anyway, let's talk about Resident Evil 7, because I yes, actually... Yes, yes. Move, move good yeah, ones. I actually um, halfway enjoyed that one, so let's talk yes. about that one. <laughs> so... So seven, so seven is really interesting because, of course, after after the issues with six, um, they wanted to go back to a survival horror element, like back to the the back to basics, basically, um, which I fully agree with. Um, I, I definitely, I definitely think that it was a really good way to bring back older fans of the series, um, and was very clearly a very successful uh, decision on, on Capcom's part because. Most people, most people love seven, or at the very least, they they understand like it is a good game, you know. And it's even if it, even if it's not you know as highly lauded as you know Resident Evil two or or four or, or even one, and now most likely eight slash Village, um, it was uh, it was um, definitely worth playing and definitely something worth looking into. Um, and and was a gr- just a great decision to switch to you get the first person view, um, you go back to having very limited inventory space, you go back to having to use save rooms and uh, the uh, the trunks that actually will hang on to some of your other stuff if you don't have the space for it. Because I think how many how many spaces do you have in seven? Is it is it like oh. you start like nine and then you can get up to like I think fifteen? I think. I think you start with either eight or nine. Yeah, I forget exactly how many, but yeah. Which you don't have to worry about, like, them taking, like, like size of... It, it kind of goes back to, like, Resident Evil 1, where, like, each each slot can be anything. Like, you don't have to worry about, like, the size of, like, a gun or, or anything like that. Um, especially like you do in Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil Village. Um, but 7 was really, was really interesting. You... Because you're you're not you're not Chris Redfield or Leon Kennedy or Claire or Jill. You're not anyone who has had any real training. Um, you're supposed to be this everyman character named Ethan Winters. Um, his wife was abducted, and supposed and and now he is getting a letter that she is um, that she is still alive, and he goes to find her. And instead gets dragged into the Baker family and gets dragged into this really expansive story, you know, about about this mold that is now taking over, basically taking over this entire estate pretty much. Um, and it's basically it's 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 a new bioweapon. Um, and it's, just, it's really it's really interesting. Um, 
I think the biggest issue that I had with seven was that all the enemy types, except for the four family members that you fight, are all the same. They're these things just called the molded, and they are just these big, like symbiote esque monsters from the look of it with teeth. Um, and they're you know it's it's not a bad design by any means, but I kept expecting like other things to come out. Um, there's a point where you have to fight bugs instead of like these giant like flying beetles, but besides that, that's pretty much it. Um, but they were, they did do a very good job with the design where each, each part of the level, each like part of each game, um, was very different and very distinct. Whereas the first part, Jack is the father of the family is chasing you. Um, and occasionally you have to fight molded if you go into certain areas and the second part, it's all these bugs and like the swamp and everything. And then in the third one, it's basically more like a like this kind of like saw esque room, and it's it's really it's really interesting the way they did it. Um, and I just I, I personally really enjoyed it. Um, and I will say that it has it has the one of the few moments where I've audibly screamed in a game. Um, there is a scene where you go to Evelyn's room for the first time, and. Uh, there's a part where the camera stops. The darkness from this hallway kind of expands and starts like shaking the camera. And then you just hear her go stay away. And that's all you hear. Okay. And that is kind of freaking its own right. And you're like, okay, shit. Like that's uh, all right. Okay. Well, I mean, I've, I've got to go through that hallway though. So you keep walking and you have to find this arm because sure. Um, and when you get the, or you keep expecting like the like the axe to fall, like and then you grab the arm and like nothing happens, and you keep doing that. When you open the door, there is a molded standing right there, like just right as soon as you open that door, and it made me audibly like I, I screamed, like it, it was it was it was it was loud, like it it wasn't just like a uh, oh goodness, you know, it was it was a scream, um, and it was. And I remember I paused the game because I was laughing so hard at myself before I even like beat like beat the enemy. You know, it was just it was just a really just a fun just kind of a fun moment. You know, and it was I, I just really enjoyed that I could play a game again and enjoy the you know the the, the fear aspect naturally because it is that is part of the enjoyment of course of these games is that you're halfway you're like I don't I don't want to go down there it's scary but then you also are like enjoying it's kind of like a haunted house you know like you're enjoying the fear aspect as well um Al what excuse me what were some of your thoughts about uh Resident Evil 7 uh yeah RE7 is one of um, the more interesting developments, um, just kind of as, as far as long-standing video game franchises go. Um, RE7 it marked a big time of change for what Resident Evil is. I mean, you had it yourself and introduced um, the first-person view, which um, opened the door for a lot more visual things, um, experiential things they could do with the horror um, genre for Resident Evil. Uh, First-person horror had already existed before then, but it was the first time the Resident Evil had really embraced it. Um, and, you know, it introduces a brand-new antagonist um, to the point that up until the very end of the game, um, this new 
uh, this new protagonist seems to be just completely unrelated to anything else going on in the world. Mm. Um, you know, it introduced um, some interesting changes and deviations as far as enemy types go. Um, we talked about how, you know, a majority of the enemies in RE7 are just um, weird, almost Highland Hill-esque kind of shambling creatures um, on the mode. Um, you know, it was, it was a bold decision to change so much about the game. Um, it paid off for them because there were a lot of people who really enjoyed RE7. Um, it was really popular on Twitch and on YouTube um, just because it was a new Resident Evil game. It introduced uh, the first-person view, which was really new. Um, it was. It felt like a more organic entry point because it did feel so detached from the t -t 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 decades of lore that had built up uh, up to that point. Um, I am not as big a fan of Resident Evil 7 as other people are. I think the first section of Resident Evil 7 where you're in the house is fantastic. It's one of the best things that Resident Evil has ever done. Just mm. the atmosphere, um, the scares, the puzzles there, uh, the exploration that's encouraged. I think it's really well done. I think when you leave the house in that game and start to go to the second or third areas, that's where the game kind of starts to lose steam. I think it kind of falls apart a little bit. Um, but um, it's not it's not bad. I just think that of all the games, it is a common theme in Resident Evil games for the first area in the game to, to often be the, uh, the most engaging one. Um, but I do think that the drop in quality is probably from the first area to the rest of the game is probably the most significant um, in Ari's heaven. Um, but I mean, it's worked out. Um, it after the flop of RE6, after the questionable quality of Revelations 2, um, Capcom had to do something to kind of reignite interest in the franchise. And if, if Resident Evil 7 did anything at all, it brought the name Resident Evil back to the f forefront, not just of horror video games, but of, of video games in general. I mean, I remember when that came out, every YouTube channel and Twitch channel I followed had completely devoted their schedules to just playing Resident Evil 7. It was wild. Um, so, so, yeah, it's... It's a very important game. I think I think as time goes on, I think time will not look particularly kindly upon Resident Evil 7, which is a shame because it did do so many things so well, um, and it is such an important entry in the franchise. But, I mean, I've heard um, entertainers and people will follow... Um, echo these same thoughts that upon replay, you know, it does start to lose some more of its charm. Um, the flaws kind of start to peek through after that first playthrough. So um, I think it'll unfortunately hold kind of a in-between place as far as Resident Evil games go as time goes on for a lot of people. But um, the impact it had and the importance it has to the franchise is inarguable.
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree with the impact of it. Um, and, and I think, I feel like if I replayed it, I probably would notice a bit more. I think, I think I just enjoyed it. I think I just enjoyed it for, like, like you said, like the different reasons of like how different it was. And of course, since I didn't play six, this was the first time I'd played a Resident Evil game since, I mean, for like eight years at that point. So it was kind of, I think just kind of good to be back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Resident Evil seven, um, of course, Resident Evil seven ends with Chris showing up and, uh, Saving uh, Ethan and Mia, mm-hmm. and uh, to everyone's confusion, uh, that, confusion, yeah, that is that is Chris who shows up. Um, yeah. It doesn't doesn't look anything like him, but that is that is Chris who shows up. Which is one of the th- things. Um, this isn't a spoiler at all. Uh, when you start up Resident Evil Eight, uh, it offers you the option to recap what happened in Resident Evil Seven, and um, I do love their choice to have the narrator say Chris Redfield showed up but not show his face because it was a it was a uniform thing like fans did not know who that was until Ethan literally said Chris it's about time you got here because that was a weird redesign of the character it was very strange yeah they said I think they use a different like motion capture actor or some, some of that effect you know so yeah it's yeah very weird. All right, guys. Um, if you have stayed here this long, um, you know, we are we're finally getting into it. Um, Resident Evil 8, Resident Evil Village, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, uh, and talking about the since since uh, Resident Evil 7, uh, evil spelled out the Roman numerals are 7, and Resident Evil Village, um, the village part spells out the Roman numerals of 8. Um, I am now convinced, and I want to go ahead and uh, confirm for you all um, that Resident Evil 9 will be called Resident Evil Dixon City. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dixon City. <laughs> I heard that or Resident Evil Fixer Upper, um, where it's actually a uh, like an extreme home makeover, but you also have to fight zombies while you're doing it. <laughs> You know, it'll it'll take a more technologically based um, um, approach to zombies, and it just be called Resident Evil I Xylophone. <laughs> it'll be pretty, be pretty good. So I'm pretty excited for that one. Um, Feel, feel free to find us on Twitter and send us your your best bets for what the Resident Evil Nine uh, subtitle will be. <laughs> oh goodness! Man, but uh, if you have not played Village man, yet, we are. Man, the top. Oh, I'm man, sorry. We're, man, we're stupid. We we are wonderful. Though. <laughs> Anyways, if you have not played Eight just yet, um, we are about to go pretty deep into the spoilers about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we will, we're going to go ahead and let you all kind of get on out of here and we'll see you all later. Um, maybe if you want to come back and listen to this part after yeah. you finish the game. Um, and if, if you haven't had a chance to, um, and you just want to, you know, just kind of wait, um, well, we're going to go ahead and say thank you all for listening. You all have a wonderful day. Fandom is for everyone and be looking out for future stuff throughout the rest of this summer for summer video games. And now... Resident Evil Village. Boom. Oh, okay.
Yeah, before everyone leaves, um, Kawabunga. There you that's go. For, okay, excuse me. Yes, that's for I, everybody. I, yeah, that's for everybody who wants to avoid spoilers. Okay. Yep. All right. So we've done the Kawabunga. Now it's time, dude. <clears throat> this game. <laughs> so when this game was first announced, of course, naturally I was already excited because I. It was one of those things where it was a return to the franchise and then having jumped into all the older games that I hadn't played yet leading up to this made me even more excited for this game and honestly made me enjoy this game more. Um, there's so much to cover, so many things to talk about. But um, Al, why don't you go ahead and start us off and talk to me a little bit about... Really, that first trailer in that opening scene, Chris Redfield (laughs) in this man, the man, the myth, the legend, yes, (laughs) comes out of nowhere and just blows Mia away. Like, and I mean, she and especially it's even worse than the actual game. She takes so many bullets, so many bullets, so many bullets, (laughs) and and you have no context for what is actually going on. What what were what were your first thoughts um, and what of of between the trailer and also playing the game? Um, yeah, I mean um, that is that's one of the most interesting starts to a Resident Evil game in general because it starts off very low key. You're just kind of traipsing through their house, you know. You're going through all all different kinds of stuff, um, and then uh, there's just machine gun fire um stuff goes crazy it pops off um he uh, gets shot to hell um that was that was honestly one of the things that i was a little more skeptical about even from having seen the first trailer and it's not that i was a genius in call i was just like oh she's gonna be fine there's nothing else is happening it was more so that they set it up to be this really emotionally impactful scene of just like, she's gone. He killed her. Ian Winters is gone. And I was the only one, it felt like, in the world who was sitting there just being like, she, okay, but like, she was a terrorist. Like, <laughs> people have like very convenient cases of amnesia because by the end of RE7, it's made pretty clear that Mia was not a good person. <laughs> like, like Mia, she's a bioterrorist. Like, what exactly is this game trying to make me feel about this? Like, she was a bioterrorist who, like, human trafficked a child. Like, like yeah. this is very strange that people are trying to act all torn up about this. Um, yeah, that starts out... With she's a, just misunderstood, man. She's just misunderstood. <laughs> you know? um, actually, um, a, a sentient zombie mode actually killed her parents when she was young. And so, uh, it's, so, so it's fine. All, all her actions are excused. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but um, no, um, it was, um, you know, my very reasonable distaste for her character aside um this game was one of the most invested in the story of resident evil game that i felt in a while um uh, just because i mean you go through it resident evil 5 
It's a fine game. Uh, the story does some interesting stuff, but it isn't as it doesn't feel entirely high stakes. It doesn't feel like there's a bunch of history to it other than the Jill stuff, which is actually revealed kind of early on in the game. Um, so that feels more of like an action story anyway between Wesker and Chris. RE6 took the most amount of hours to not say anything at all. Um, and RE7 was really interesting and asked some interesting questions, but uh, the character was completely new. You didn't really feel too much attachment to him. So it didn't really feel like stakes were very high just because it was in a franchise with beloved characters and this was a brand new guy. RE8 asked so many interesting questions from the very start of what's Chris up to now? Where are Ethan and Ia's relationship and just existence now after the events of RE7? What's so special about Rose? What's going on with this random-ass village in northern Europe that, as far as we know, hasn't had any kind of zombie outbreak? What's going on with all these brand-new enemy types? Like, it asks so many good questions that you feel so engaged from very early on, and um, uh, which is good, because that's something... An engaging story was something that Resident Evil hadn't had in a while. So it was really good that they were able um, to do that so effectively. I, I completely agree. I mean, the, the, setting, the setting alone makes the game worth playing, in my opinion. Even if you, if you take out... If this was a brand new game where it was just like, you wake up an amnesiac and you have to traverse this village and this castle and this uh, creepy dollhouse and this lake and this factory to to escape alive, you know, like that, I would have been like, okay, yeah, I still want to play this game. But the fact that it ties into the Resident Evil lore and the overarching storyline is even, is even better in my opinion. But I, (laughs) I can't say enough good things about the, the power of the level design that they used. Um, At least, especially for the first, the first two areas, um, the village and the castle. I, I think. I think one complaint that you might see from people, um, and this is and this is just something I kind of notice, is that after you get those two, the design does kind of go. It kind of drops in quality a little bit. Um, to me, that doesn't make the game bad. Um, it just. You can definitely tell that when the art designers were were being told the different settings, they said, we can do a castle. And then they just went crazy. And we're like, we're going to do the best castle you've ever seen. Like, this is going to be amazing, you know? And then when they were like, okay, so like a lake, like laboratory that's been like torn apart by years of corrosion due to the water. And then someone was like, yeah. And they were like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And then it was just kind of, once again, it's, is it bad? No. Is it extravagant the way that the castle is? No, not at all. And it's it's very kind of clear to see that. Um, I think that's the only thing that might take it down. But the fact of the matter is, is that once you exit that area, you get to the factory, and the factory has and, and the stronghold before it. the The Heisenberg aspects of the game are two of my favorite moments in yeah. 
really the entire game. Um, because and we we didn't discuss this, and I didn't I didn't I wanted to just address this just on this podcast, knowing that we were going to record this. I wanted to talk to you about this. You told me that in the stronghold because you because for those of you who don't know, Al beat the game before me. Um, due due to work and scheduling, I I was able I was unable to beat it as quick as I wanted to, and Al beat it before me. And he told me, um, when you get to the stronghold, the game changes. Okay, like the entirety of the game changes. And when you get to the stronghold, that's when the wolf, the werewolves that have been following your lichens, whatever you want to call them, now have flaming bows and arrows, which is wild. Um, but that's not even as crazy as the following part where you get to their den, and then they will literally keep respawning until you move through them. Um, which changes, which to Al's credit, changes literally everything else that you have known about not only this game, but every Resident Evil game before it. Um, because typically, as we have discussed in multiple of the other ones, running away was typically an option, and moving to like a certain area and then being able to pick off a few was another typical option. Nope, you have got to get your shotgun, craft as much ammo as you can, and bull rush them and get through them. And then fight, um, like, their alpha, which is even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, after that, because you're like, okay, well, that was crazy. But nope. Then it gets even worse after that. Because then you fight, like, this giant, like, he's called, like, Urias or something like that. And he's got this giant hammer. You need to take him down. He's in, like, the trailer. Um, but you have to take him down in, like, the smallest area, like, possible. And thank God that because of this this series, I have learned to save every Magnum a- ammo that you can until you find a boss that you're concerned about. And I was just loading loading into him, and it, he still wasn't going. Down. It took forever to actually take him down. Um, but uh, but yeah, now that part was crazy. Okay, that part was. But then you get to the factory, and Al did not warn me about this next part at all. So in the factory, boys and girls. <laughs> You've discovered that Heisenberg has been taking these different uh, mutated people and basically turning them into cy- into like steampunk cyborgs, pretty much. Okay. Now, the first one, you're like, okay, you know, you shoot the thing on his chest and he goes down. Then there's like the then there's the guys that's like, oh, you have to wait till they charge and you have to shoot the thing on the back of them. And then you're like, okay, yeah, okay. Then all of a sudden, jetpacks out of nowhere, just. Just jetpacks. And you might be thinking, what is he even saying? Jetpacks. No, I mean, literally, they have jetpacks. And, like, they are just flying all over the place. I I was not expecting this at all. Like, I had I had no lead-up. I had nothing. All of a sudden, they have jetpacks, and, and they're heading and they're heading for me, you know? And it's and it's kind of like you said with, like, James and the and the bed monster. It's just, it's, it's coming. You know, you gotta do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> And and honestly, it's one of my favorite parts of the game because of it. Because I had because I had no context or lead up to him whatsoever. Um, that one, that part was just great. I just I, I loved it uh, because of, because it was it was able to get back to the craziness of Resident Evil while also still having you know the a lot of the lead ups of the of you know the 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 spooky parts basically. Um, and of course, that that scene culminates in the in the tank boss battle, which is I just loved every moment of. 
Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure everyone who's listening to this, especially if you decided to stick around and hear on the spoiler cast if you haven't played the game yet, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, just like, are they talking about like a Resident Evil game? Yes. And, yes, and we as, are. as well, yes, we are, because <laughs> um, it's so interesting how uh, we're two games into the new trilogy now. Um, and it's wild that they answered the question of, is this new trilogy going to be survival horror or is it going to be action horror? Um, and it's wild that they landed on the answer of, yes, it's going <laughs> to be both. To mm. the point that the shift isn't going to happen until halfway through one of the games. Because as we said, RE7 is very much a, a survival horror game. In my opinion, up to The Stronghold, um, Village really is more of a survival horror game than an action horror game because you're still trying to hoard ammo, you're still trying to figure things out, there are parts where you're trying to avoid combat. Um, Stronghold happens, and that changes. The Stronghold... See, I took a different approach to the Stronghold than you did because um, I can say that... um, at least in standard mode, which is the mode I played my first playthrough in, um, the werewolves do eventually stop spawning because do I got they? to <laughs> because I got to that point. Um, because How I many ha- did you kill me to get there, dude? I was in the stronghold for like over an hour, like, <laughs> and my final playtime of the game is just under ten hours. So over ten percent of that game was me killing werewolves in the stronghold. Like. <laughs> It's, it's insane, you know? It's like if you weigh, like, 99 pounds and you eat, like, a pound of, of nachos, then, like, 1% of you is nachos. It is like, it's, it's It was wild. And the shift happened so quickly because you get done with the third area, which the third area, it's not my favorite area, but it does feel the most Resident Evil um mm-hmm. to me it feels the most classic resident evil because you're going through you're solving puzzles and then you have a big weird boss fight at the end of the mm. area um that's very classic acid fish. yeah acid fish it's great <laughs> just just puking and shitting all over the place it's crazy <laughs> and um, it's so weird um and up to that point you're just like okay they went more classic survival horror and then, like, y'all, we really aren't exaggerating this. It is, like, a straight-up 90-degree hard turn. Yeah. To, oh, you're going to do the stronghold. This this is now an action horror game. Mm. And that was, I mean, that, that's a really bold decision to make with your game, is to switch genres halfway through. I mean, it really is, but I mean, it goes to uh, Capcom team's um, design credit because um, they make it work. Uh, they make it work surprisingly well. Um, it's just really, really impressive. And then um, it follows up with the factory, and the factory is very solid. I feel like the factory is a pretty good blend of the action horror elements and the survival horror elements. I think it's a good blend there. Um, capping off with your reunion with Chris um, and, and the tank battle, which is 
which is wild. As soon as I saw that, I was just like, okay. <laughs> okay, Capcom. I see what you're doing now. Um, to to the point, we, we have to talk about this. Uh, I'm tempted not to talk about it, and I'll give him any credit at all, because I know it would it is panties in a bunch. But, um... Um, Josh, when you play the game and are able to listen to the spoiler cast, that's a wise sage of fandom correspondence. You called it, man. You called it almost yeah. to a T. Um, yeah. you play- literally like every aspect of it, which yeah. was really annoying to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had all gears solid to it. You play, you play as Chris for a section, which was one of the most fun sequences of Resident Evil game Dude, I've ever played. I was, I, was about to talk, I was about to talk about that. That is yeah. it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And um, um and Josh also called um, uh, the plot twist that Ethan was. I don't think Josh said that Ethan was dead. And he did. He, was, he said he was mold. He right. was just mold. Right. And wish he, he is mold, but only after he apparently died towards the beginning of our of our East heaven, mm. uh, but still, that's a that's a pretty good track record, man. That's mm. a that's a pretty good call record. So well done, Josh. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, no, I when when that happened, like my only like <laughs> my actual thought, not wanting him to be right, I was just like, please don't do this. Please don't say <laughs> what the what he is, you know. And then and then like Evelyn shows up out of nowhere. Um, it is like your mold, your entire body is mold, and I was like, "Son of a like, of course, of because of course it is." Yeah, you which know? I don't want to, I don't want to pretend at all and act like, "Oh, well, that like solves every question ever," because it does not. It if anything, <laughs> it asks even more questions because, like. Like, this really bothered me because they acted in-game. They acted as if that was, like, the solve-all reveal. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, but wait, like... But then that brings about quite a few questions of, like, they, okay, how can he have a child? How can how? he have a child? Um, <laughs> things, we have proof. We have a game and a half's worth of proof up to this point that things that are mold can still die. Yeah. So, so how did <laughs> how did Mother Miranda ripping his heart out not just kill him when we've seen other mode things take way less traumatic damage than that and die? So that doesn't really answer the question either. Um, all I'm saying is that um, if we get a story DLC, which I imagine we would, if we get a story DLC. It better, it better have some answers for why Ethan is the most special kind of mode, because as cool as cool as that reveal was, it was it did not answer half of the questions I had, and yeah. it asked about twice as many. Like yeah. for for me, I think I I kind of took it as like so the the mold and and the and the metamycete, which once again I just I love how insane i sound talking about this um obviously reacts to everyone differently it gave it gave heisenberg you know the heightened electrical powers which caused him to basically be magneto um it allowed um donna to 
basically become Psycho Mantis, um, you know, yeah. and it gave uh, Damatresque an exceptional amount of regenerative abilities until she was hit by that knife. That's why uh, at the end of her boss fight, she or and and also she had to she had to um, consume uh, consume blood, um, which is why she was basically a vampire. Um, even though they even go out other ways and tell you she's not a vampire. Um, <clears throat> but what's interesting, I um, I was intrigued to see, like, okay, so what was Ethan's catalyst? Like, was he just so in tune with the Metamycete that once it started, once it was hurt, and once Miranda was gone, that he was also gone? Um, I, was, I was kind of intrigued by that. Or... By that, by that same thought process, if Ethan had actually just gone on and then waited until uh, they got out and then hit it, would he have died with the men in my seat or would he have gone on living somehow? Because mm-hmm. um, he's technically deteriorating at the end uh, without mm-hmm. his heart. So I'm assuming that could also be like maybe he was using the last of his mold powers, like the ultimate abilities that he had to function without his heart. That might be it. I, I am, I'm reaching. I'm very much reaching. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I'm not entirely sure how much you really are reaching because yeah. it doesn't really give us a lot of info. If, um, if I have one complaint, that's that's it. Because as as much as I did enjoy that finale, that would be my one complaint. Yeah. It feels like. See, it feels like the story reveals kind of follow that pattern too. Uh, because when you're playing as Chris at the very end of the section, you play as Chris, um, they just kind of shove some quick information your way to kind of explain (laughs) things away as well. I mean, like, I mean, like apparently this was where Oswald Spencer first got his inspiration to do the T virus. Exactly. Like, like, and they just kind of shut, if you don't find that like object interaction prompt, you miss out on that entirely mm. like and like if it, but even then it wasn't as if it gave i don't know it felt like they tried to explain a lot of stuff with very insufficient explanations to the point that um both honestly both the dlc for resident evil 8 and resident evil 9 are gonna have um a pretty heavy burden of story stuff to explain still because there's a whole lot of stuff that doesn't make sense i did have the thought of it would be crazy if the next resident evil game announced was not nine and instead it was um revelations three i thought that would be a very crazy direction to go in but honestly it also makes a lot of sense because there is so much story stuff to explain still um so that'd be I mean, interesting development. I mean, the thing is, it's like we have we have established that this is a world where you have just at the top of my head, like four major characters who would react who would react in a very interesting way to the idea that there are other bioweapons in this world, you know, and 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 that these are basically creating demonic versions of X of the X-Men pretty much. Um You know, and so, like, so, yeah, if they did a Revelations 3, it was, like, starring Leon Kennedy, Jill Valentine, and Claire Redfield, you know, or an Ada Wong, you know, like, I'd be, 
I'd be 100% down. Like, I, I would. Um, especially because at this point, I'm actually, I'm actually curious if Resident Evil 6 is even going to be considered canon after this. Um, because, because like, like I said, like, Chris, like, I kept expecting more from Chris, like, to of understanding why he is doing all this and why he's here beyond just basically just being like, I'm Chris Redfield. I kill monsters, you know, pretty much. Like, he's he's basically yeah. just a monster hunter at this point, you know. That's what he, that's um, what he does now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will say during his, his section, every time um, I felt like... <laughs> I felt like Charlie from that episode of It's Always Honey with like the yarn and the maps and trying to explain the craziness because every <laughs> because every time one of Chris's mercenaries would talk, I like hear their voice clip and try to match their voice to like a side character in the past games. So there's so there's uh there's a fe- there's a female mercenary who works with Chris in that section, and every time she talks, my mind went into overdrive trying to justify that that is somehow Ava from Resident <laughs> Evil Five. <laughs> I was just like, it, ha- it has to be every time, every time, every time um, the Latino guy on the team talked. I was just like, that has to be Carlos. There's no other explanation. I turned into like a racist old man. I was just like, there's no other Latino person in the world that, that could be. It has to be Carlos. Oh, goodness. Oh, oh man. So wild. So, um, the last thing I really want to say about Village, because it is a game that sh- should be experienced. Yes, um, uh, exactly. For, yes. Um, in your own um, way. But um, the last thing I want to say, um, I have. I don't think I've ever had more questions, not just about the story of how it's going to play out in the next game, but also what the next game is even going to be than I do right now from... RE8 to RE9. 100%. Yeah. Because it it feels, if you watch that post credit scene, which I'm so glad I listened to a podcast beforehand that didn't spoil anything, but did say, hey, there's a post credit scene that will skip over it if you skip through the credits. Um, I'm very glad I heard that. Um, but that's suggesting really hardcore to me that you're going to play as Rose. Yeah. Yeah, it really does, yeah. Which, well, even even the, the point of the father's story is now done. You know, yeah, like it honestly brings up even more questions with how it's going to work. Because one, are you going to play a protagonist in a Resident Evil game who like has superpowers? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that going to be the gameplay? Is you're going to like control mold stuff? If you are. Then how will that work in universe? Because if the source of that stuff is gone at the end of the game, then I would ask how Rose even has those powers still. So, so okay. So once again, this once again, this could just be me reaching. Um, but my assumption, you know, and. Everything that I got from that last boss fight, you know, Miranda takes Rose, puts her in the mold, and then she comes back whole, thinking, and Miranda thinks that she's going to be Ava, her daughter who died in the Spanish flu. Um, 
um, but she is not. She is Rose. And <clears throat> she, uh, when that happens, one of the coolest boss fight designs I've ever seen begins to, begins to form because she says, I am losing my powers. Because presumably she is losing her abilities to draw from the Metamycete. That is kind of what I am taking from that. And from that standpoint, I'm also taking that from where Ethan is at at that point. Um, because her, she starts like, like her eye, like starts like oozing like mold mm -hmm. on the left side. And then Chris shoots her with the most accurate shot I've ever seen on the right. And, uh, and so then like both of her eyes just go black, which is really cool. <laughs> and, uh. And then she becomes like this like demonic like fallen angel type creature, and I was like, okay, this is this is even if I die, which I did the first time, I was like, this is gonna this is one of the coolest like boss fight designs I've ever seen. Um, but I had assumed that when she was saying that she is losing her power, that what that meant is that Rose is the perfect version of what Evelyn was in Seven. And that Rose is the perfect version of a mold. Which would also make sense that her father would be the progenitor of that. Like the like almost being perfect. Um, but Rose is the actual perfection. So Rose is the one that can use different powers and can still have it even though she is separate from the Metamycete. Once again, all of that was me just guessing and me reaching, and if it's right, then I will remember this day, May 31st, 2021, and <laughs> all of you can bow before my superior intellect on that. Um, you know, <laughs> if I was correct on that, that is. Um, but that is that is my thought on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's as good as anything I got, that's for sure. <laughs> So real quick, okay. La last thing before we go, we have we have talked for three hours. This is we. I do plan on finding a spot like where I can interject like a quick cut, like an, an abrupt cut somewhere to split this into two because that is a long podcast. Um, but we we covered a lot. We covered a lot of Resident Evil. Um, but real quick, talking about Resident Evil Eight, what was your favorite boss fight of of the of the the four lords and then Mother Miranda? Which one was your favorite? Do you think? Good question. Um, um, as great as the castle s sequence was, um, I will say her boss fight was um, a pretty typical Resident Evil boss fight at the end of the It was, yeah. It turns into a weird thing that you have to shoot. Um, I'm going to have to go with... The most unorthodox one, as far as Resident Evil standards go, is say Heisenberg. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, I tend to lean towards that. Um, I think I really enjoyed the castle one, just because it. Although it was yes, a very typical one, it was just a really once again the the castle works because of its design because it, it works because it is you know like the sun is rising. Like over there, like over in the corner, you know, and so like there are moments where like she is like basically blocking out the sun with her wings. That is, just, it's re it's a really cool design, and so I think I kind of have to lean a bit towards that. But from a function from from a functionality standpoint and just enjoyment of playing, and I kind of go got to go with Heisenberg too. Yeah. Um. 
And we, we didn't even talk about the most disturbing aspect of this game. We we did not uh, go into that. Yeah. Um, and I'd rather not. I would too. Yeah. Let's not relive that. Um, yep. But just you know, the let's keep let's keep that one a true surprise for everybody listening. Yeah. Just the the basement of the dollhouse. Just that's all you need to know about. Just you know, once you once you get there, <laughs> that is. All the all oh man yeah no every, everything about that like if I, I I if I ever replay this replaying this game like that is the one segment that I'm just going to speed through as quick as I can just to get it done with just oh my gosh oh, I, I I hate it. and and turn the sound on low just because oh my gosh anyways <clears throat> thank you all so very much for listening to these. Um, this has been so much fun to record. Um, Al, thank you. This has been so much fun to just gush over how much we love Resident Evil. We didn't even talk about some of the games, but that just goes to show how much, how wide of a depth the series has. Um, it's been so much fun to discuss this with you um, and, and to just enjoy in the summer of video games and enjoy something that we love together. Um, so thank you so much for being, for being with us. Um, and thank all of you for listening um and we hope that you stick around we've got so many other great things planned so many other great series we are actually going to have our very first special guest next week and i cannot wait for that um very excited um very excited to be doing that our very first fandom correspondence guest um so yeah stick around for that we'll be having that soon enough and thank you all so much once again and as always remember that fandom is for everyone you guys have a good day. Cowabunga. Boom.